0: Welcome to The Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sophie Waters.
1: And I'm Sarah Purnell, and this episode we're looking at The Things We Do to Our Friends by Heather Darwin. When Claire arrives at the University of Edinburgh, she's determined to keep her secrets locked away and build a whole new life for herself. This is her second chance. But when Claire meets Tabitha, she's swept up into a world of summers in France rooftop parties and a mysterious project that will change the lives of the whole group will it give claire everything she wants or will it unravel everything she's worked so hard to keep hidden dun,
0: dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> mm. okay so content warnings for this book uh are a lot <laughs> um but <laughs> mostly murder violence torture sexual assault and abuse but there are more. So please do go and check them out before you dive in. diet in. Appropriate. In. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. Uh, we will also be talking about the novel in full. So there will be spoilers. So be warned of that. And we also have a mailer. Which we would love for you to sign up for. It goes out every two weeks. We have exclusive content um from authors. We do a book club for every other book in the podcast and we have giveaways too. So we'd love for you to sign up at the Dark Academicals Bookclub.substack dot com. Pow. I think that's the admin done. We're good now.
1: I <laughs> <You> did it. <laughs> I did it. So I suppose why did we choose the things we do to our friends? I think the main thing was that I saw
0: lots and lots of comparisons to The Secret History and to yes. Donna Tart. And Yes, I mean, on the, yeah, on. on
1: the front cover it says, uh, satisfyingly dark, cleverly plotted and pleasingly Donna Tart-ish.
0: Which is such a great sell. I mean, it got us.
1: I mean, I want to be Donna Tartish. Who <laughs> <Eric laughs> <So>. doesn't?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and every time I see that, I'm like, well... We'll be the judges of that, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things now.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I think also the basic setup screams the Dark Academicals, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. It's a university setting. There's a secret kind of group, a very secretive group, and something has happened in the past that's affecting the present. And also, something we know something happens in the future but we don't know what that is yet
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very reminiscent of the setup to the secret history but it diverges in a really interesting way which i think we're going to talk about a bit later Mm. because we both really enjoyed that (laughs) but i loved this book it's one of my favorites of the season so far
1: that's strong i enjoyed it
0: okay because you were really (laughs) liking it at the I, beginning weren't you
1: I definitely loved the first half mm-hmm. <laughs> just just that <laughs> nothing, nothing else <laughs> I loved the first half I think the second half um, I, it's not that it let itself down it just went somewhere that I didn't enjoy as much okay fair enough
0: it was definitely unexpected yeah But I think that's kind of what I liked. It kept me on my toes a bit.
1: Oh, definitely. Just when you were like, oh, okay, this is it. And then it goes, Mm -hmm. actually, no, it's not. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes
0: that can be really frustrating, but it worked for me with this specific book at this specific point in time. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what reading does. (laughs) Sometimes something will work and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, I really enjoyed this. And I'm really pleased because it was one of my most anticipated books of the year. So that would have been devastating. So I'm not having awesome. a great run of reading this year. I've had two five star <laughs> books and I've read 27 books.
1: That's not wow. great. That's not great. And one of them's but a reread. <laughs> <laughs> it does have a have a spectacular cover. It's got that going for oh, it. Oh yeah, I love the cover. Okay. Actually, go on. <laughs> I was I, I was taking it to work the other day, and my dad was like, "It's a lot of like uh, blood and guts in that book." I was like, "No, why?" It's so, like, well, it's just that, you know, she's holding on some intestines on the front cover. Because like, he'd only seen it from a distance. I was like, it's an apple and a snake. <laughs> oh,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah, we're going down more of the biblical symbolism here rather than... Uh, Outright the guts. Butchery. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that is funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen the US cover? It's no. really disappointing.
1: Oh, no, is it a bit like um, what um the Swallows? No, we, it's... Hmm. Oh, you mean the, in the
0: opposite way? No, yeah. it's not. It's like, it tries, but I think because we got such a good cover... I'm going to look. It's just <clears throat> fine.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Do you know what I mean? It's, it's fine.
1: It doesn't have the same allure, though, does it? It's no. very like, been there, done that.
0: Yeah, it's like, okay, cool i wouldn't stop
1: although although have you seen the goldsboro books it's sold out but the exclusive edition no it's got gold foil it's got a snake it's very um it's very ninth house okay but it's very pretty
0: Uh, i love some of the gold goldsboro editions but they are so hard to get hold of you really have to be on it or you have to be in a subscription Oh wow, that is stunning.
1: Isn't it? Well,
0: oh, there's only thirteen hundred copies. That's why there's none left.
1: <laughs> but I do I think the UK cover is just it's on point, isn't it? Well it's done perfect. Is it Penguin? Yeah, it's Penguin. Uh, yeah. Um it's very um plain bad heroines as well.
0: Yes. I think it's the colours, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's that kind of neon almost garish colour palette, and I love it.
0: I'm a big fan.
1: And I think it, it, even though it's
0: not classically dark academia with the colours, I think the symbolism of the cover works for that really well. Just, you know, (laughs) just a segue of um, congratulating the (laughs) Penguin um, design department there. (laughs) (laughs) Round of applause. (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) Just... Excellent cover. A plus. <laughs> right, so so back to what we were actually supposed to be talking about. Um first segue of the episode complete. <laughs> <laughs> so as ever, as with all our episodes, we will be running through our list of dark academia tropes that we identified in The Secret History and that we compare all of our books to. So our first one is a higher education setting often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way
1: technically because they are students at edinburgh university they are indeed yes um but we never we're never on campus we never are we ever actually in a yes very briefly aren't we
0: there's a history of art lesson. Yes, there is uh, at the beginning where she meets Tabitha and the others. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: but I think we're possibly only in class twice. Yeah, she meets them, and then <clears throat> the next one where she talks to them. Yeah, I
1: think that's it. Um,
0: she lives. Oh, does she live in student accommodation? I feel like she she does, doesn't she? Yeah,
1: it's it's off campus student accommodation in Old Town. Yeah
0: but we're not even really there much because she's mostly at Tabitha's apartment.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I will say, again, this probably is a little bit of segue, but I mean, this is in 2006, which again is another dark academia thing to be Mm -hmm. set a little bit further back. Um, Although it's really (laughs) like 2006, that in the past, Mm, apparently. Nearly 20 years.
0: I know. And that's what's
1: terrifying. (laughs) Um, I... I, I thought that it was really spot on for the student experience in the sense that y- you it's a bit potluck with your flatmates. Yes. Um, you know, they will, generally everyone tries to at least pretend that they want to be friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's like that forced kind of friendship thing going on. There's crappy accommodation, even if it's in a stunning kind of location like that, student accommodation is always the pits yeah or if it's new it's gonna fall apart fast Mm -hmm. like it's not built to last is it it's just built built to exist (laughs) yeah exactly
0: like i went to university in bath and obviously bath is one of the most beautiful cities and while i think i got a better deal with my accommodation than lots of people still not good (laughs) it's just not good
1: (laughs) And it's just all those small details as well. Like she comes home to one of her like housemates making some rank pasta dish. And how many of us have experienced somebody in your flat cooking something grim and just gleefully eating it and being like, do you want some? Like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, like, and leaving
0: it to rot on the side. Yeah. <laughs> what a delight.
1: Yeah. It's just that also it's that sense of like adult being an adult but not an adult yet as well. I just thought that was spot on as well.
0: Yes, yeah, that like limbo,
1: isn't
0: it? Yeah. A- adult limbo. Yeah. <laughs> <It is laughs> do
1: you very... ever leave? That is the
0: question. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange place to be. I do agree that they, she really captured that. That's true. Yeah. But I, and I think that added more to the setting of the higher education rather than the actual physical setting. Yes. Because we don't was- really see any of it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was situational, kind of gave it the right setting. Didn't yeah, it?
0: absolutely. So I guess that kind of leads into old <laughs> Gothic architecture because I'm imagining that the University of Edinburgh is the epitome of Gothic architecture, but we don't actually see it really.
1: No. I think there's
0: maybe a line or two.
1: There's a bit where she's kind of like, walk, you know, she'll walk through the streets at night and comment on the difference between Old Town and New Town and that yeah. kind of thing. But um, I think there's a bit where she expected her accommodation to be very kind of gothic-y and dark academia-y, basically. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, I think she kind of expected like, have you read The Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness? No, but... I- Okay, because uh, Diana, the main character, she's ba- she's that's Oxford uni. And she's basically up in one of the tiny attic rooms in Oxford. And, you know, she can see Oxford spread out around her. And I feel like that's what she was expecting. Yeah. And that's definitely not what she got at all. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, although the University of Edinburgh itself is the epitome of gothic architecture it is absolutely beautiful so i guess if you google it first (laughs) or if you you know the university then that works perfectly but if we're speaking strictly in the text there's not a huge amount there to anchor it in that
1: atmosphere it's definitely more like when they visit um tabitha's mum in france and yes um, even the flat, to some extent. Even though it, it. I don't know. I think maybe I think a lot of my images in my brain are informed by kind of the architecture of actually being, having been to Edinburgh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, I've so, I've never been, but I've seen lots of photos. So. Yeah. You kind of create it that way. Yeah. But you're right about the house in France. Yeah. So it's basically it's a big French manor house and it's just rotting and falling apart. And it's full of clutter and grime and dust. It's just been neglected, hasn't it? Yeah. And that that um the scene where Claire is in her bedroom and she feels in the in the French house and she feels like she can see the mold like moving across the wall. Mm. That really made me think of Mexican Gothic.
1: Yes, it's definitely, I feel like it's a, it is a thing, isn't it, think.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, part of me wants to connect it to like the feminine Gothic. Yeah. It's that kind of creeping, insidious, unavoidable Gothic of like, you know, connecting it to capitalism and the patriarchy and oppression. And I think it's linked to that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So also that links to the yellow wallpaper as well. And lots of the texts we spoke about when we discussed Mexican Gothic and fungal horror. So that kind of came in there. Because that was a a thing she was preoccupied with throughout the novel, wasn't it? Mould. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to see fungal horror come up again. No.
1: (laughs) Not so soon. No,
0: definitely not. but yeah that was really evocative setting. Mm. It's almost like um the the house in the country in the secret history if it was left to rot f- yes. for 30 years.
1: <laughs> Definitely,
0: you know, when it's, it's Francis's house, isn't it? Yeah. So if Francis's her family lost all their money. That's what that house would look like, you know? Yeah. With the pond out the back, covered in... Algae?
1: Yeah. Just stinking.
0: Yeah, just grim. (laughs) Gloriously evocative. That's what we like. We like algae-ridden ponds. It was the...
1: um, It was the... The sheets as well that were described as almost slimy, like mm. almost feel it. And I was like, oh no, I it's, wouldn't get in. No, it's so gross. I
0: literally <laughs> oh no, it I tell yuck. you
1: what, it also reminded me of, again, mm-hmm. if it was left to rot and ruin, is yeah. the setting for um Call Me by Your Name.
0: Oh yeah. Interesting. Especially with like the connection of the water. And the, the burning hot days yeah yeah you're right go I haven't read that in a long time
1: um, so another trope is a preoccupation with classical studies Latin Greek literature philosophy etc etc <laughs> <laughs> and I mean the art history which is what her and Tabitha and Imogen are all studying It does, it doesn't preoccupy them, but it does have a presence and a meaning.
0: It does. It's like an underlying thread, isn't it? Yeah. And it's especially important with, I think, setting up the motivations of the girls early on in the novel when they talk about that painting by Clint. Yeah. Um, And it's basically, you know, (laughs) women taking revenge on men. Mm um and that kind of sets that up beautifully and that's a running theme throughout that painting and tabitha's obsession with that painting yeah because that's then what tabitha takes on with her project
1: yes and then also interesting that ava has a copy of that is it ava has a copy it is of that ava, painting yeah. but a, from a different artist different artist a yeah different perspective i can't
0: remember who the artist is mm. it was it was a recognizable one yeah, I don't remember. I can't remember. Because I guess that would kind of shape how they interpret that that message and that desire to wreak revenge, isn't it? Because yeah. Ava is very clinical. Um, matter of fact, she organises everything. Where Tabitha is the one that's, you know, going for this just out of pure blind rage, really. Mm. <laughs> and the need for revenge. So, because the project, that Tabitha, the le, le project, le <laughs> the um, Tabitha pulls Claire into, is basically honey trapping men. Um, hired by their wives. Um, because Tabitha's mum was basically left with nothing when her dad was caught cheating. Um. Yeah. So it's it's honey trapping basically. Mm. So I just it all connects very cleverly. It's a very clever novel.
1: Definitely, there's lots
0: of hints and just she drip feeds you bits that when you get to that reveal, you're like, oh, you know.
1: Mm. I thought the the project. I thought I was a little bit. Uh, I thought it would be more. I don't know. I just thought that it was a bit simple for the setup. It was like, okay, so we're going to be honey trapping. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I expected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think, but it built, didn't it? It went so beyond that in the end because like... Oh
1: yeah, definitely. Like if it had stayed at that, that would have been a bit anticlimactic. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought what was actually more interesting was the, is it called Perfect Pieces? Yeah. Project that they've got on the side. That, I mean, it was disgusting, but it was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I think if it
0: hadn't have been mostly spearheaded by Samuel, who is one of the group, I think that would have been a really cool commentary on, like, Women taking back ownership of the sexualization and um, kind of making money off of their grossness, but without uh, sacrificing themselves to it. Mm. But it being championed by Samuel, I think, gave it back that ick.
1: Definitely. I think maybe if Imogen had been involved more, or like it had been a joint project somehow, or even just Imogen, I think would have been an interesting person to spearhead that one.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I don't. I almost feel like Imogen's character wasn't quite utilized as much as she could have been. I'd, she's probably the only one I don't really feel like I got to know.
1: I think Samuel, though, as well. I think he ended up being a bit of a throwaway character in the end.
0: Yeah, he had such a build up, didn't he? And he was so yeah. important. I don't like him. He's he's not a character that I liked or <laughs> I don't in know any if I way. Liked
1: any of them other than Imogen, really.
0: <laughs> okay, if you if you're talking about it that way, yeah. Like <laughs> as a person, no, they're all awful. Even Imogen, to be fair. Yeah. But okay, I guess found them interesting is probably a better way to put it because they're all yeah. fascinating characters in a kind of like scientific character study kind of way <laughs> <laughs> much in the way of secret history as well they're all terrible people
1: yeah but they're, but they're fascinating awful.
0: yeah um, I think it's that similar kind of connection to them but obviously a lot less in depth with with these guys wow we are really going with the studies <laughs> today aren't we
1: i just so look pre- <laughs> i was just like preoccupation with classical studies uh Kinda. not really <laughs> kind of not really but it's there it is present
0: it's definitely there so next up we have murder and that is a big emphatic yes yes there is a decent amount of murder and death in general um,
1: yeah I mean there's one there's one murder isn't
0: there there's I, gu- I guess what? yeah there's a murder there's an attempted murder there's a suicide although that's not on page I don't know it feels much more murdery than it actually is now I'm well, actually I think thinking it's about quite it
1: Sinister. so if we run through them Big spoiler alert, so if you've got to this point and you still haven't read the book and you're thinking, oh, I might read this book, please leave now.
0: And come back, don't forget to come back though.
1: (laughs) Come back. I mean, you can leave, you could maybe like rate the podcast like five because we gave you this spoiler alert which meant that you could go and read the book in peaceful happiness. Exactly. Um, But then come back. (laughs) (laughs) So for murders, so we have... The original murder in mm-hmm. France. Yes. Um, by Claire. Oh, uh, more, Maybe we'll talk about Claire later. Just leave that for a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, her and two friends' accomplices murder a man in France. Yes. Not entirely sure how they all got away with it.
0: No, that bit's a little bit wishy-washy, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Because they drug him uh-huh. with uh is it anxiety medication that they drug him with? Like eight yeah, it's like I can't remember. With, I think so. And then and then um Force uh, feed him. Force and- feed him and then smother him, which there is a comment about it being something that's difficult to report on an autopsy. Yeah. Um So he unfortunately finds his ends um, at the hands of Claire, and then trying to figure. I don't know if I can do it via timeline, but there is also the wife of the first target. I guess is the first job, first client. Like the wife, she um, takes her own life, assuming after. Oh no! It's because of Tabitha, isn't it? Tabitha yes, pushes. She that she's, pushes it. So she, the the wife, says that she's happy to forgive the husband for basically kissing Claire whilst Claire's trying to honey trap him, and mm-hmm. then Tabitha doesn't accept that, and then says that she's going to tell people that he slept with an underage girl,
0: even though Claire is not underage. No. Um. Yeah, and she um, yeah throws herself down the cliff that her. Weird houses on.
1: Yeah. Um there is also the I don't know it's not necessarily attempted murder, is it? But it could have easily gone that way, I think, with the is he the 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 piggy guy? The pig man? What's he called? <laughs> 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 There's something to do with the pig, isn't it? it is. it's what they keep calling him. Um I don't, don't know if it's him... a I don't remember. Like, the pig the pig? Hold on. Something like that. Um So Tabitha and Ava, I assume we never again we never really find out, but Ava is also masterminding this, isn't she?
0: Yeah, she, oh they just call him the pig. Jack the, the pig.
1: pig. Jack the pig. Jack the pig. Um I mean he was going to sexually assault Claire.
0: Yeah, and there's kind of the knowledge and possibly proof that he's done it many times before and will continue to do it.
1: Yeah, so they seek revenge upon him in a really vile way.
0: Yeah, and a, a and, a, and a, in a way that really affects Claire as well.
1: Yeah. Um, but he does the press charges, he just wants the video that they took to be deleted. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is there? <laughs> Claire pushes oh, Tabitha. Yes, attempted murder. Mm-hmm.
0: So, basically, at the end of the novel, Claire pushes Tabitha off the roof. Because <laughs> she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and is, is uh, upset that she didn't die. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess, like, that, although she's essentially comatose, it's, like, locked-in syndrome. So, she's yeah. locked in her body, which is horrifying absolutely horrifying and far worse than death in for me um yeah but then we find out that actually uh because the idea is that claire knows that tabitha knows about her past and about this murder of this man in france and she's gonna kind of like rip apart this new life that claire's built if she doesn't go along with the project which after the incident with jack the pig Claire is like, no, I'm done. And yeah, it was actually Ava masterminding everything, and mm. Tabitha didn't know. So I thought that was really clever. I did a gasp out loud. <laughs> Case <laughs> Yeah, that was that was very clever. I did it like that. <laughs> that was a good twist. But yeah, so there, there's a lot there's a decent amount of death and murder I think for one book
1: (laughs) there's a lot of violence of yes it's a violent book
0: (laughs) I think there's also a lot of um insinuation of violence and um thinking about committing violence as well
1: yeah I mean there's a lot of almost like um pushy behavior which um some of the characters exhibit like they all you know yank on each other you know there's a lot of even down to the details do you know what i mean of yeah. like how they act with each other or other people or with themselves and
0: yeah you almost feel like you're on the precipice don't you like at any one moment any character could hurt someone else yeah you, you feel like you're on that knife edge for a lot of the novel mm. <laughs> which kind of plays nicely into a dark moody and or haunting vibe yeah <laughs> because that's a yes to all Back of them, and Moody. yeah, <laughs> and haunting probably not in the literal sense, like we've had with some novels, but in the metaphorical sense of you know, Claire being haunted by her past, yeah, Tabitha being haunted by her childhood and by what her dad did, yeah, that that kind of haunting, hmm. but I think it's kind of impressive, like that I found this novel really atmospheric. Did you?
1: Yes.
0: And considering we didn't have, you know, the, the architecture and the setting in the same way as we normally do in a dark academia novel, I was really impressed with the way uh that Darwin created the atmosphere around around mm. this novel. Because it was consistent, wasn't it? Yeah. Even in the bright sunshine in France, it felt dark and close.
1: Yeah, it still felt felt like it had the same kind of filter on it. It was just better weather. Yeah. But you kind of forgot about that.
0: Yeah, and it almost felt like actually the sun just highlighted the cracks in the relationships, didn't it? And yeah. the the potential for disaster really.
1: So hero worship of a particular figure or author. Yeah. yeah. Tabitha. Yeah, definitely a Tabitha. <laughs> They're all they all revolve around Tabitha. Mm-hmm. And I guess also, in a slightly
0: more abstract way, Tabitha worships the idea and the portrayal of that painting. Yes. That kind of guides her, doesn't it, through her project and her ideas and what she wants to achieve. But Tabitha's... Tabitha's interesting. She's the kind of person that actually just sounds terrifying. (laughs) I can't. She's one of those people that I can't see myself ever interacting with because terrifying. Yeah, and I don't think I'd ever get past the
1: terrifying bit
0: to be to worship her. You know,
1: no, I wouldn't be one of these people that would be able to. Um, I'd never move past that point and be like, actually, I want to be this person's friend in the same way that Claire is. I'm like, no. no. <laughs>
0: absolutely not you know there's a whole world of pain with someone like that don't you yeah (laughs) it's not worth it (laughs) but Claire is so desperate to build up this new identity and she's lonely and she's on her own too you know Mm. Tabitha is kind of a a door to this new life that Claire wants isn't she
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because we don't actually ever really know what kind of life world that Claire actually wants. No. I think as the the novel goes on, it seems to be something similar to how her parents live. Uh, Or they lived when she was a child. Because I can't find any other reason why she wouldn't want to be friends with her flatmates who seem perfectly fine.
0: Yeah. Until that weird outburst at the end. But <laughs> one of them basically tells her she's disgusting and awful and horrible. And
1: well, she has treated fair.
0: them like that. She has been awful to them. Yeah. this has come out of nowhere. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. For someone who wants to bury a dark past. She doesn't take the uh, obvious route to maintaining that. No. (laughs) But then there'd be no novel, so...
1: Mm, True. Mm. Money. So this is going to be an interesting trope to talk about. So we have old money, which will collide with new money or no money.
0: This is present, but not in the way we usually see in Dark Academia, I don't think.
1: No. Money, apart from for Ava, it seems to be a bit of a preoccupation for most of them. Yeah. Again, Samuel, I'm not sure about, again, Samuel doesn't really count. He's almost, he's very present in, like, the, the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of becomes his own. He does. He's doing his own thing yeah. like, more and more, isn't he? But for the girls... There is just this preoccupation with money. Who has it? How do we get it? How do we get more of it? You know what I mean? like. Yeah. And I think
0: also with them, I think it's that kind of feminist angle as well of like what money would do for them. It would give them their freedom. So Tabitha will be cut off when she reaches a certain age. We don't know why. We don't know how. But it's something to do with her parents' divorce. Yeah. Claire doesn't have any.
1: <clears throat> and Ava seems to have tons of it.
0: Yeah, and we don't. And her family seem to have shady goings-on. And we never actually <laughs> learn what these shady goings-on are. Um, I would yeah. love to read about Ava. She is such a good character. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like a spin-off short story about Ava, please. (laughs) That'd be great. But yeah, there's a lot of conflict as well with setting up this project in the business and Ava basically has to fund this. Because none of them are in a position to do so themselves. But Mm. it's all kind of, like, shadily behind the scenes, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: And it's... (laughs) It's almost that kind of... Ava shapes the others to do what she wants in order to free herself from that situation in the end, doesn't she?
1: Yeah.
0: Because she's she doesn't want to do this anymore. It it almost feels a little bit Henry and Bunny-esque. Yeah, I've not thought about that, actually. That's true. In terms of the way that um, Henry basically funds Bunny, who comes from a, a well-off family, but he never has any money. Mm. a bit like tabitha and henry ends up funding bunny because of whatever he has a over henry and in order to get him out of that bunny go bye-bye bunny you're
1: bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> and in the same same vein tabitha go bye-bye
0: exactly so yeah that that really jumped out on me that connection there I don't think there's a real... Other than that, there's not a real resolution about the situation with money and how they find themselves, is
1: there? Not really. Except um, maybe...
0: Go on, sorry.
1: I'm just kidding. I don't know if... I feel like uh, Claire married for money.
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to say as well. Yeah. There's definitely something sinister going on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's willfully plotting his murder. Should he ask too many questions about Mm -hmm. the project that her and Ava are still running.
0: Yeah, but we don't know to what extent that's going on. We don't know how that's changed or transformed or we We just just kind of get it dropped in. It's online
1: though now, isn't it? Yes. It's all through text message and chat rooms. Yeah.
0: Um, Which is very traceable but I don't know, mine just went, oh, how's that safe? But Ava has a butt-ton of money, so I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They'll be fine. I thought that was That's a really... That's in- Tabitha said.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting way to end it, actually. I wasn't quite expecting that jump in the future like that. Yeah. Especially... Sometimes I get really frustrated when books aren't tied up and I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> I like a neat bow. But I think it was effective here. I, I'm I still I'm still thinking about it. So I finished the book maybe, what day is it? I don't know, four days ago? Um, and I'm still thinking about it and, and thinking about like what the characters could have done after the close of the novel. And I think there's a really fine balance between being irritating <laughs> and making yeah. them live on a bit.
1: I think the only way to have neatly tied it up would have been to either off more of them, because yeah. do you know what I mean? They're so in it. I think Imogen and Samuel they closed the door quite easily because they were out earlier. But with Ava, like knowing how she masterminded most of it, mm-hmm. there was only, there's only really one way out f- and for that's
0: Ava. Ava dying,
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. similarly for Claire, though as well.
0: Yeah, she's two in, isn't she? Yeah. Definitely. And she enjoyed it, didn't she? She enjoyed feeling important and powerful in those honey-trapping situations. Next up, we have weather as a literary device. There was definitely a lot of weather.
1: There was, but I didn't feel it really... I didn't feel it really impact upon... The narrative.
0: I feel like it did in France. Yeah. Like the heat, the sunshine, the, you know, that sharp difference between rainy, cold, wintry Edinburgh. Yeah. And, you know, a summer in in France. And as I said earlier, the way that, like, that sunshine and the light almost kind of acted as a way to highlight the cracks... It was,
1: like, it was like a magnifying glass, yes, you know, onto yeah. a bug, yeah, in the sun. That's what Claire was in that.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: That. She was trapped
0: because it's at that point that we find out what the project is, and is when Tabitha. Don't know why I tripped over that, <laughs> and that's when Tabitha also asks Claire to be a part of it and explains what she would do and her role would be. Yeah. But yeah, I think in Edinburgh, the weather is just Scottish weather. Yeah. (laughs) It just is, isn't it? Hmm. So finally, we have underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider.
1: Consistently.
0: Yes, absolutely. All the way through.
1: All the way through. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many moments where we see... uh, Claire's struggle to um function yeah. in what we call in like quotation marks normal society. Mhm. we see her practicing her smile, practicing conversations um just and then just generally struggling.
0: Yeah. I actually um saved a quote about that because i was like oh my god i do that to a degree which is concerning she says it was a clear case of not fitting in and i was out of practice when it came to socializing with people my own age so i told stories alone in my room testing them on myself in front of the mirror light anecdotes and stilted introductions that i tried to pull off breezily but they sounded rehearsed of course my voice awkward and tense I think that really encapsulates the way that Claire interacts with pretty much everybody throughout the novel. Yeah. She's very closed off. And she's yeah, and
1: it's it's interesting because obviously, as um, the reader, we are privy to a lot more mm-hmm. from Claire. So when people, it's like I think it's Imogen who says, "Even now, you're still so closed off," or whatever it is she says. Yeah. Um, towards the end and and then you kind of have to remember that she doesn't actually say a lot to anybody no but we see everything
0: (laughs) yeah we're in her head that's the only way that we would know anything about her yeah she's a walking mystery to them isn't she
1: (laughs) yeah she seems to be a bit of a walking mystery to herself as well because the amount of times that people point out to her that she's very attractive, or yeah, you know that that she is coming across as odd, or whatever, whatever observation they have, and it always always seems to be almost like a surprise to her.
0: Yeah, I admit it. Feel like a surprise to me sometimes as a reader. Yeah, because obviously when you're in someone's head, someone's not observing the way they act and look and speak in the same way that other people see it, are they? So, it was, I remember being really, really surprised when we found out that she looks similar to Tabitha. Me too. Because they look polar opposite to me up until that point, you know? Mm. Because they're very different characters. Yeah, Yeah. it was strange, but... (laughs) definitely poor social skills and definitely an outsider (laughs) but she she put herself on the outside and she made sure she stayed there even as she wanted to be included yeah because she had these you know she was hiding a murder basically Mm. she couldn't let anyone discover that so Those are all of our tropes. Is there anything that you would like to pull out and discuss about the novel?
1: Yes. (laughs) Go forth. I mean, I've got a few things. Okay. Um, (laughs) um, One thing that just sprang back into my mind when we were talking about how they look Mm -hmm. was um, there is a distinct lack of body diversity in this book. Oh, yeah. That's nothing new within literature generally, but Mm -hmm. I was growing a bit uncomfortable with the uh, emphasis on thinness as being something desirable. Yeah. Um, I think Tabitha's body, Tabitha's body is often described as very like... um, Bony. Bony, yeah. But like that's something that's attractive. I'm not saying it's not attractive, but like
0: as in the ideal. Yes. And yes. that's what makes her so successful in all of these things she's trying to do, you know.
1: Yes. And I I can also see it from the perspective of actually this is especially we're talking early 2000s like this is what was oh, yeah. in vogue, like this is what society said women should aspire towards. However, I don't think it's explored enough within the text for it to be justifiable.
0: Yeah, it's not critiqued. It's not um, pushed back at. um, At all, really. And Mm. everyone is very slim verging on skinny. Yeah. And there are even comments on characters like, oh, you've lost lots of weight or you're not eating enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah which is potentially harmful.
1: Yeah, that's all I have to say on yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- At the back of the book, there are some reading group questions which I had a peruse through. Mm-hmm. And the one that I found particularly interesting and it made my brain go off on one. You know when you get <laughs> asked a question or even you read a question, your brain just goes pew. Yeah um, It says Does this book accurately Represent female rage? Hmm That's interesting I thought I it was interesting too that. I th- Now currently On TikTok There is this trend Where it's like uh How a male represents female rage and it will be like this overblown kind of screaming, whatever, like, interpretation. And then it will be from, written by a female or written by a woman and it will be like this quiet, more subdued, um, rage moment. Um, Okay. And I get what they're coming from because I think when written by, uh, a male perspective i think there are often issues with female rage and how it's presented yeah but when it's written by a woman like there is no right way to portray female rage because it's going to be different for everyone yeah
0: i see what you mean cuz like the way that men write it generally is that you know it's the classic you know hysterical harpy kind yeah. of energy energy imagery isn't it Whereas I've noticed as well, there's a trend in literature of like unhinged women. Yeah. Um, And that's, that takes so many different forms. And like you said, each of them are completely valid.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think there is a danger in overemphasizing this kind of stoic kind of rage, this kind of like watch and wait. And you know, I will get my revenge quietly and yeah. in a cool, calm collected way like that's almost like a male stiff upper lip attitude yeah and it's yeah like, exactly you can, however you wish to express your rage is valid <laughs>
0: i mean except when you go around murdering people maybe don't do it... that
1: but <laughs> no but you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah if, you're, if you want to scream and shout and break something or you know knock a chair over or what have you like that you do you boo Yeah, But I think it's just how it's viewed, isn't it, through which lens it's viewed from because you could either be being viewed as uh, the hysterical woman having Mm -hmm. a hysterical moment, being a little bit unhinged, or you can just be viewed as someone who has just been told some awful news and you're really mad and the best way to deal with that is to push over the armchair. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know? (laughs) And I think, again, I think you highlighted that perfectly because it's situational.
1: Yeah. And it's
0: informed by trauma and your personality and what you have experienced before and how you've been treated and how you have kind of been taught to either express your feelings or not express your feelings. Mm. All of those inform, I mean, everything. But, (laughs) and also how you express anger so yeah, that, that is a very black and white question for a very not black and white answer, isn't it? Or yeah. topic.
1: Yeah. But there were some interesting questions in the reading group questions.
0: Oh, I have a NetGalley copy, so I don't have the questions.
1: Mm. I can send them to you later if you wish. You yes, please. Thank you.
0: I'm all <laughs> left out. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, the actual physical book is behind me, but so don't worry. I just remembered I have a copy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the structure of the novel. We want to talk a little bit about the structure of the novel. Hmm. So, bear with me while I uh, Uh try and put this into words. So, in The Secret History, we start knowing that a murder has been committed. We work back to that murder and then follow on the fallout of the murder with this novel we start with a murder but this murder is in the past and then we jump forward and it's this whole novel is the the after effects of that murder but also leading up to another murder (laughs) yeah attempted murder sorry and i thought the parallels between that were really interesting because it I think you said it best, you said it feels like a true child of the secret history. Yes. In that kind of structural expansion from the secret history. How many times can you say the secret history (laughs) in two minutes?
1: (laughs) It feels like something that is quintessentially the secret history, but without trying to be the secret history. Yeah.
0: It's bringing it into, you know, the 2000s. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> yeah. And also for a different generation. Yeah. Because the, the things that kick off the murder in the secret history, the motivations behind that and the murders in the things we do to our friends are very different. Yeah. And they hinge on different social expectations and different social rules and the freedoms that the characters had in both of those novels are very different I think the main difference is it's men and women yes as well
1: I think also the subjects that they're studying kind of reflects that generational difference as well so Things like the class, I mean, classical studies have not been particularly popular or chosen by a majority, Choosed? chosen <laughs> by a majority for a long time. Yeah, um, that's nothing new, but whereas it, it's almost like things move through trends and fashions don't they? like anything else and i think this book even mentions that the you know one of the reasons why art history was particularly popular for the time period that it's set in is because of uh one of the members of the royal family attending um
0: university of edinburgh wasn't it
1: yeah 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 was it uh well, it was St. Andrews, it would be. Oh, is it St. Andrews? St. Andrews? It? Oh, okay. Yeah, but either way, it's it's that kind of. This is why this is popular now. Um, yeah, that cultural legacy of it.
0: Yeah. I think something that made me laugh was that there's a line somewhere about like doing this degree that we're never ever going to use again. <laughs> and that really made me cackle. Because hello, look at my degrees and yeah. my job. <laughs> and it's that humanities degree you know that kind of like 2000s rhetoric obviously these characters would be uh 10 years older than me there's that same rhetoric of growing up in that time of you can do whatever you want to do go to university study whatever you want to study and the world will be laid out for you
1: i'm trying to i'm trying to do maths right but i feel like how old
0: was that in 2006? <laughs> well, if they're like 18 in 2006, they would have been they born. Were... They're the same age as...
1: Yeah, they're... we're the same age. Oh, okay, so I've miscounted that because... Is it? 2006, well, be... take away 18. Yeah, 98. 19... Yeah. 1988.
0: Yeah, Okay, yeah, so yeah. I miscounted because so... you're only four years older than me, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sophie and Sarah do maths badly. (laughs) Okay, so I was a bit dramatic there. But... And that actually just firms up my point, to be quite honest. So, (laughs) is that growing up in that... um, That situation of boomers telling you that the world is your oyster because they had everything (laughs) laid out for them. Yeah. Basically. And then it not really being that at all. (laughs) Whereas in the secret history, they are the boomers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> aren't they which is weird yeah. to think about are they it was 85 that they were in the school wasn't it
1: yeah i just still think that they might be just outside of being a boom boomer i think oh, <laughs> or okay. are they gen I x think- maybe are they that weird in between one i think they might be <laughs> yeah.
0: the bit in between hang on let's let's bless them. No let's ask Google. gen x but <laughs> uh, i don't yeah. even
1: know if you have a name do you gen x You got a name? I think they're
0: just Gen X, aren't they? What's your name? (laughs) Gen X is born between 65 and 81. So, yeah, that would be the secret history lot.
1: Yeah. Do they have a name? Uh,
0: The Latchkey Generation. I've never heard of that
1: before. Ooh. (laughs) What is Gen X? It sounds cooler, doesn't it?
0: This is weird. Gen Xers were sometimes called the latchkey generation, which stems from their returning as children to an empty home and needing to use the door key due to reduced adult supervision compared to previous generations. Oh. How weird. Never heard of that before. Mm.
1: Huh. So this lot, there. there are people... they are millennials yes there are people
0: (laughs) yes they are
1: i mean they're very much not my people i do not claim them
0: generational wise i know what
1: you mean yes yeah i know what you mean
0: (laughs) yeah we do not condone any actions undertaken (laughs) in this novel just making that crystal clear (laughs) yeah I've completely forgotten what... The, the amount of segues in this episode. Um, <laughs> I mean,
1: either apologies or the, you're welcome. The segway episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Is it time for the question?
1: Um, or have no. you got
0: more to say? Okay.
1: I just wanted to say about Claire. Is okay. That, I mean, she's not a particularly forgivable character from start to finish. However... I completely broke up with her <laughs> when <laughs> I was like no you can't come back from this out of everything that she's done the thing that I cannot forgive for being on the page is the fact that she kicked a dog
0: yeah that tripped me up as well
1: I don't know if that was necessary
0: It's never necessary though is it No you're right it's it's never needed Unless the
1: whole book is about kicking dogs, which and I won't be reading it, but no, (laughs) there are other ways to kind of show her character in that sense. Yeah. Without, I mean, there was enough of it of how she treated Ashley. You know, she pulls on her hair and terrifies her. Yeah. You didn't also have to kick her dog.
0: Definitely not. Really not needed.
1: It really upset me. Yeah, that was not nice. Um, and after that, I was like, no, I'm done with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a strange character. But that that bit aside, what we learn about her and her upbringing and how she was treated, I think if that wasn't there, it would have been a really hard book to read.
1: Hmm. Yes.
0: Because it does give you a bit of empathy for her. Because, I mean, she was abused as a child, basically. She was, you know, locked in her room all the time. Yeah. It was sensory deprivation. Um,
1: and her parents were very clear that they didn't want her.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, she took to acting out to get their attention, to show her anger, to make a point. And it just, because it was never checked, it was never dealt with it it kind of snowballed out of control you know yeah so i'm glad we have that element of understanding her and it it did make me empathetic towards her i didn't i didn't dislike her she's not a a nice person no but i also didn't outright dislike her the way i disliked tabitha
1: i mean i didn't up until
0: The dog incident. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then I was like, no. Done. Cutting ties. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's an interesting character. I think they're all very well-drawn-out characters, I think. Aside from Imogen. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, she was a bit wishy-washy. I would have liked more from her.
1: I think also there was just... I mean, it just... There are so many different ways you could have expanded this story and the character relationships and it gave you so many little um little uh slivers of like what could be and then they never followed up on.
0: Yeah, it could um, easily have been six hundred pages.
1: Yeah. And so I would like, have read there, it all. <laughs> me too. There could have been more about, you know, her and Samuel or Imogen and Samuel or yeah. You know, Ava and Tabitha and kind of seeing that breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. more. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: There was scope there for more.
1: Definitely. And that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd prefer to kind of be left reaching for more than to get to the end of it and go, oh, my God, (laughs) that was too (laughs) much. You know, I'd always prefer that
1: yeah that's me done
0: that's you done you, okay. you may ask the question i may ask excellent is it dark academia
1: oh so i can't say that it's not
0: see for me it's just a yes it's a straight yes for me
1: it's, <laughs> i think the only thing that it it i don't know do you know what i mean <laughs> like i
0: there's just I something holding you it's... back
1: yeah, I can't say that it's not though so I guess it has to be a yes but it's a yes with caution. Okay. And I think it's just because it's so different to any other book that we've plopped into the Dark Academia right. uh, box. You know, it's... But it, but it is.
0: <laughs> I think it is. It works, doesn't it? Yeah. Even the things that perhaps make it so it shouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's a full yes for me.
1: I just think it's it's an interesting evolution of a genre. Yeah. Of a genre it that is. isn't even fully recognized yet. But No, you're right. Like we said before, it's the secret history part two. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it it's, a, it's 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 yeah. a
0: natural <laughs> expansion from it. Yes. And I think it's one of the first times that we've come across a book that has been compared to The Secret History that has actually earned that comparison in some way.
1: Definitely.
0: I mean, it's not The Secret History.
1: Nothing will ever be no, The Secret History. But like, it is a little bit mean that we hold that one up we it hold is a little book against it. But That is this what this comes... whole
0: podcast is founded on, so we've just got to run with it.
1: <laughs> I mean, the things we do to our friends comes damn close
0: it does and i don't think i've said that since if we were villains mm. because yeah. that's almost a copy yeah <laughs> but this yeah. isn't this is as you said it's an evolution
1: yeah i think with villains it feels more like homage or pastiche whereas yes. this is its own It it is in its own right mm
0: mm-hmm. i agree And I bloody loved it.
1: Hmm.
0: One of my favourites of the season so far. And I say that as if we've got a ton more, but we don't. (laughs) This is our penultimate episode of season four. Our final title of season four is going to be My Dearest Darkest by Kayla Cottingham. And if I pronounce the name of this school or university really wrong, I'm sorry, I will check the pronunciation for next time because it's a weird word. So, <laughs> Wilder Girls meets the craft in this sapphic horror debut that asks what price would you be willing to pay to achieve your deepest de- desires? Finch Chamberlain is the newest transfer student to the ultra competitive Ululume Academy but she's also not what she seems. Months before school started, Finch and her parents got into an accident that should have left her dead at the bottom of the river, but something monstrous and ancient and terrifying wouldn't let her drown. Finch doesn't know why she woke up after her heart stopped, but since dying, she's felt a constant pull from the school and the surrounding town of rainwater, like something on the island is calling to her. Selina St. Clair sees right through Finch, and she knows something is seriously wrong with her, But despite Selina's suspicion, she feels drawn to Finch and has a sinking feeling that from now on the two will be inexplicably linked to one another. One night, Finch, Selina and her friends accidentally summon a carnivorous creature of immense power in the depths of the school. It promises to grant every desire the girls have kept locked away in their insecure hearts. Beauty, power, adoration. In exchange for a price. Human body parts but as the cost of their wanting becomes more deadly, Finch and Selena must learn to work together to stop the horror they unleashed before it consumes the entire island.
1: Oh, I just did a whoopsie dootsie, and I accidentally summoned a carnivorous creature. <laughs> I know, Woo-hoo! that's just
0: so casually dropped in Whoops. there, isn't it? <laughs> it's like I tripped and uh-oh. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to this, though, because I've not really heard much about it. No. I feel like this is an under-the-radar one.
1: I bought it when we were in uh, Florida earlier did this you? year. Did you? Yeah, it was one of the ones I got from Barnes & Noble.
0: <laughs> to be fair, you bought so many books in Barnes & Noble.
1: Well, not so many. I bought, what, six? Seven? it? Oh, I thought it was more than that. Eight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the number climbs. <laughs>
1: they all fit in one tote bag. So it they did, that's true. That. It was a
0: big tote bag, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I definitely need to learn how to pronounce that uh, strange U- word.
1: Ulalume? Loom? Ula Ulalume? Ulalume? I don't, I don't know.
0: know. We'll We'll figure that out for the episode, mm. we promise. So, cool. thank you for joining us for the penultimate episode of this season. We hope you've enjoyed it and that you enjoyed the book too, if you read along with us. We would really appreciate it if you would rate the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast if you enjoy it and subscribe if you are not and if you want to sign up to the mailer you can do so at the dark thanks for listening bye bye <laughs>